You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro, who's the Deputy Chairman of Sassarin Securities in Johannesburg. And David, what a weekend it was for South Africa. I mean, okay, on Friday there was a Moody's thing and it wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad as it might have been. And then on Saturday, of course, they thrashed England, the Springboks, that is, 32-12. And it was, you know what, it really was a proud moment for for a captain who, when he was first appointed, was seen as a token appointment. But goodness me, he's come good, has he not? Oh, yeah. And how? He's a humble man, very down-to-earth, very easy. You don't see – he's celebrating, but I think uh, he's just got the kind of temperament that uh, captains need. And uh, he's a wonderful man, I think, uh, and a credit to to South Africa. Really is. played well. Yeah, they, they really did. played well. And you know you know what I enjoyed? It's the first time I think this whole year or for years that I could actually watch a game and know that the team that I was supporting was actually in charge and they were going to win. And there was no doubt about it. It doesn't happen very often, particularly in the soccer teams that I follow. So, uh, <laughs> And even, even, even in rugby, you know, even watching the books in the build-up and that, you know, they, they, they've – forget about the lesser side, you know, where it, where they were going to win, but I mean, in in competitive matches, you know, this was the first uh, this was the first time that I actually felt comfortable and knew that uh, nothing was going to go wrong. Do you know what I really liked about it? As an English supporter, as an English citizen, a British citizen, I wanted England to win, but they outthought. And they outfought yeah. the English. The English mm. thought to themselves, well, we've mm. just beaten the All Blacks, so we can beat anybody. But yeah. it just didn't happen. South Africa came out there and took them to the cleaners. It was very impressive. Yeah. I, it, look, luck played a part as well. Uh, when they lost their, their prop in the first two or three minutes. Was yeah, that key. wasn't great. Very, very key. And, and it just upsets the balance. You know, you, you have to now adjust after literally coming on the field, having practiced, having set your mind on a certain strategy and it, it went so uh but still it happens in every team you can't really uh you know you can't rely on one man but it did unsettle them and they were completely outplayed in the scrums which was where england was supposed to have the strength so yeah line outs and scrums whatever. were there with their thing but anyway it doesn't matter about mm. that three they world won. cups now which is equal <laughs> to new zealand and they're you know equal with the best people in the world That's, and i love the way the bbc this morning well, rugby for, is our game you know yeah <laughs> we've been playing it for a long time yes, you know, the, we played at schools I, I was at a school where we played soccer but most of the african schools you play from primary school, barefoot, no all, you know. And uh, yeah. so I think it's very much in the DNA of, of of this country. And I think for years, you know, we've been a dominant force. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a massive surprise, you know, between us and New Zealand, uh, always dominating. And in most other countries, it's not, it's not really a primary sport. But I mean, South Africa, it's a religion. And uh, it's 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 very important to the psyche of the country. It's very, certain segment, segment, yeah. It was very important to see the BBC this morning because <laughs> on Friday everything was rah rah England. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And uh, on BBC Breakfast this morning there was no word of the nothing. of the defeat. Absolutely nothing. But they talked about Lewis Hamilton winning his sixth. World Championship Formula One title. They, it's actually very funny the way that they did that. But anyway, David, <laughs> how about the JSC today? Has the JSC benefited from a Springbok victory? No, I think, you know, you know what's quite disturbing is that uh, the headlines over the weekend, even though we got a stay of execution from uh, Moody's, I think the tone of their report was very, very severe. 
And uh, it's quite obvious that if we don't do anything in the next three months, we will get a downgrade. Now, it's unlikely that we're going to do anything in the next three months simply because uh, there's just not enough time to turn things around in that time. And, yes. of course, after last Wednesday's uh, midterm strategy statement, uh, it's clear that there are huge problems ahead because no, no solutions were offered. So I think it's, it, it, it's bound to come. Uh, I can't see anything happening um, that's going to turn the budget around. So um, I think the market beginning to price that in. But to be fair, the JSC is, um, you know, it's up with world markets. Uh, remember, we're five, five hours behind, um, sorry, sorry, seven hours behind New York. So we're going to open, New York opens uh, that, that much later for us. But I still see that New York are going to be very strong today. The futures are up over a half a percent. So we're heading to further record highs, a lot around the trade deal. Uh, trade deals or, or talk where it's much more conciliatory. And Wilbur Ross, who's, you know, I always called Mr. Arthur, Mr. Burns, not Arthur Burns. Remember Burns from the Simpsons, you know, he's... Uh, Montgomery he's Burns. That <laughs> Montgomery, yeah. yeah. So he's come out for first time smiling and chirping and that. And obviously there's a message of, um, you know, optimism out there. But I think that's the back. Uh, the backdrop to what we're seeing in our market here, just better global markets and uh, helping us, even the RANDs at 1477. I think that's on the back of a stay of execution, but um, it's also on the back of a weaker dollar. Yes, it is. I I don't understand currencies, Lindsay, and I think you're closer to them now. I never understand what drives them up and down. I I can understand Well, it's it's sentiment Mm. and trade flows. It's as as simple Mm. as that. And it's also actually sentiment, trade flows, and speculators. It's as simple as that, David. If Mm. you think your country is doing well, then you pump the rand. If you think it's not doing well, then you you sell the rand. It's not a difficult thing. But trade flows, obviously. Anyway, let's not get into currencies. Let's have a look at a couple of things that happened uh, actually on Friday, just before the glorious weekend. Diskem came out with a yeah. horrible trading statement. I know, I know. Look I at know. that thing, down 10%. Look, I know, they're down 10%. Eh? And uh, there's a bit of a worry creeping in. And the worry is whether or not management can actually grow this business. You know, I'm giving you a, a, um, a broad statement, but uh, there's, there's a fear that, hold on, this is not meeting the expectations of investors uh, at the time of the listing. And I know that there's, uh, they did give a statement as to why this is happening. They, they're smoothing out the bonuses, which is a, a, almost a permanent thing and a sure thing. And therefore, they're smoothing it out month to month. And that's caused them a few issues. We know that there's been strike and that's cost them on security and so on. Yes. But there might also be deeper issues that they're not really uh, or their plans to introduce smaller concept stores not quite working. So, you know, when, when I think about it, um, Pick and Pay bought in Richard Brasher, who had had experience at uh, Tesco. Uh, I remember Clicks bought in David Neal. Maybe management needs someone with international experience uh, who can help them actually grow uh, the business into a national chain, you know, rather than – because something's wrong, and, and, and yes. I, I don't know what it is. So I think the Saltzman have done absolutely brilliantly up to here, but I don't know where the the strategy is going wrong and why are we why are we facing these kinds of issues. 
Okay, well, let's have a look at the other side of the coin when it comes to retailers, because ShopRite came out with an operational update this morning, and that was pretty good. Maybe it's just a reaction off a low base, but uh, ShopRite did very well. Sure. Look, I think we were expecting it. Um, I think they had some one-off issues, which also, uh, you know, were labor issues at some of their distribution centers. Um, and, and I think that's starting to turn around now. So uh, that, that's the other side. <laughs> you know, but um, look, fundamentally, there's still issues in the retail market. So I think, uh, you know, the view is that it has come from a, uh, you know, from a low base, but uh, at least it's starting to point in the right direction. But on the other hand, when it came out this morning, the share price rallied by about 5%. Uh, but now it's down around about two-thirds of a percent as we pre-record this interview about 45 minutes before the JSC closes. It says in the three months to September 2019, yeah. the ShopRite Group's turnover increased by 7.3%. Is that enough to justify a 5% increase in the share price? I on don't the opening? Know. I think the traders I, are I, saying... Okay, that's good news. Let's buy it. And then they scalp it. And then suddenly the real investors come in and say, no, wait a second. This is no good. Down two thirds of a percent as we speak, David. What do you think? I don't, I, you know, I haven't got any real, uh, I, I, I've been skeptical about all the retailers and very, very nervous because of the broader economic situation here. In, 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 in that if you're going to buy turnover, you have to do it at lower margins. Uh, it's a big worry. Pick and paste it. It doesn't matter anymore. Even if we do lower prices, uh, there just isn't any money anymore. So I don't know whether it's got anything to do with that. I'll go through it in greater detail, to, you know, uh, later tonight and see what uh, and try and match this up against expectations and see what has disturbed everybody. But I mean, we I actually expected uh, retailers to come under a bit of pressure today. Um, against the backdrop of Moody's and against uh, the broader economic situation that we're watching. So maybe that's where the sell-off's coming. The other part is I don't know whether any corporate action has had anything to do with it. The fact that the JSC has allowed uh, institutions to appoint a manager and whether there is some kind of attempt to uh, uh, um, you know, limit uh, versus control of the company or to do anything. I don't know whether there are any politics in 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 you know any play with regard to the to that announcement. I'm I'm you know I haven't got a, a, a clear view on it. But as you say, they are down. But the trading statement of first reading looks pretty good. Yeah, it doesn't look bad at all, David. Uh, otherwise, outside of that, anything you're looking at at the moment. You, you, you know, you know what's interesting, and and this might also be have something to do with the kind of share price movements. Now, just I always keep a, a keen eye on volumes because that's how we make money by doing trade. Yes, and and I think I'm just going to give you the latest number. We're at 10 billion within three quarters of an hour to go. 10 billion is is pitiful, and in other words, there's very very little trade, even with Shoprite. 348 million, it's like 3.3% of the market. So there's quite a bit of trade that has taken place in it. But um, it just shows you, Lindsay, the trade is, is nothing. There's, it's, you know, it's not enough trade, and therefore probably you can sway the market with a minimum of But deal. then you get the auction, As we're talking now, for whatever, reasons I, for whatever reasons are happening now, we're starting to work, we're starting to come down. We're coming down quite sharply now. Um, whether the Americans are opening up and are waking up and uh, 
starting to do things. It always happens. Remember, they would come at 3 o'clock before. We're now yeah, seven hours, so mm. it's 4 o'clock. And mm. there is seems to be action happening now, which one can attribute with the opening of, uh, of the U.S. markets. And it might be that reaction to, to Moody's, which they're only responding to now. You know, it's uh, mm. nine o'clock in the. It's not. It's uh, eight o'clock. Yeah, it's eight o'clock in the morning there. Yeah. What happens is in the last uh, fifteen minutes of trading is, of course, the auction. But do normal brokers oh, and normal market ah. participants participate in that auction? Probably not. It's not the old David Shapiro shouting across to no. another chap across the room and saying, "Let's do this deal." It's it's all due to computers and uh, yep. algos, etc. Mm. Yeah. So the real trade is in, has been going on during the day and the, the big volume is going to be done between 4.45 and 5 o'clock South African time and that will be that's the end right. of it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Mm. That's exactly. And, and I suppose we don't know our true market until America starts to open. Uh, we've had good European markets throughout the day. Uh, also on the back of the U.S. markets, on the back of their uh, job numbers and a better feeling about markets. There's something else. Yes. And I picked it up on the FT over the weekend. I was reading their report on the market, and uh, there's quite a bit of anger in the market uh, simply because uh, people, no one has read the new highs that we've seen in the S&P. Everybody's been very negative, expecting markets to actually retreat. And they can't reconcile it with, with slowing consumer confidence or weakening consumer confidence and yet and, and weakening uh, earnings. And yet you're getting uh, a new high in the market. And everybody's quite angry about it because uh, they missed out. And you might find that markets are moving out because of that fear of missing out and just coming in and uh, taking stock for whatever reason. But against that, you know, Europe is also strong today, very, very strong. We've seen some big numbers there, some big, uh, some of it driven by earnings, but uh, also I think a big sentiment driver there. So I think that's that's been a drive. That's been you know um, one of the drivers here, and yet now we're seeing resources go into <laughs> into reverse. Uh, I don't know what's. <laughs> I I would have thought that. Um, you know, with with better markets and slightly better optimism, that we that that resources held their own, but they are under pressure with golds and platinums taking a bit of a strain. In the last few days, I've had some emails saying that you and David Lindsay, that is, that's me, ramble on a little bit too much, and it's just uh, also colloquial. And you talk about football, so in deference to them, I'm going to talk about football. <laughs> just to piss them off um, over the weekend I love the fact that Manchester United which is a team worth hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds and therefore billions of rands <laughs> lost to Bournemouth which has a stadium capacity of 11,000 I mean 11,000 people you get 11,000 people in a pub near Manchester United's <laughs> ground so isn't it incredible that Manchester yeah. United are so rubbish at the moment I, yeah, why does that happen I, you know, I, I think why do things like that happen? You have to attribute it to, to management, or or that management haven't got control of the players. For player for player, um, Man United have got a good squad. And when I say a good squad, relative uh, to someone like Bournemouth. Bournemouth, and yet it's those those lower clubs that have got the spirit, energy, and fight, and have turned this league upside down to find Man United in 11, 12th position after eleven or twelve games. I mean, it's crazy. Spurs is another one. Arsenal's another one. Um, three major teams who are just struggling, and yet 
you know, man for man, they've got the quality. So it, it, one has to put it down to the club itself, you know, not getting on top of these issues, and also to, to the people. I know they call them head coaches now, but really to the manager. So, but it's, it's also, it's, David, uh, before we go on now, it's also to do with the rewards that they get because they know that even if they easy. lose, they're going to get £127,000 a week to play football. Yeah, that is the key I issue know. here. There's no incentive for them to to do any better. They just no. go out there in their no. Bentleys and their Range Rovers yeah. and they go to champagne mm. bars and uh, women yeah. flock around them. And that's the end of it. Yeah, yeah. There's no that's incentive too, to true. do well. But that's where a Ferguson would never have allowed that. Exactly. You know, you didn't want to face him. You lost the game to Bournemouth. The last thing in the, on earth you wanted to do was to go into the change room and face someone like Fergie. Whereas I think Solchar, I don't think he's got that kind of control. No, and, and maybe that's where the issues are. I think that the, the, I can understand Man United and I can understand Arsenal, you know, from the management point of view. I can't understand Spurs. And I can't understand what's, what's happened there and why they've just fallen apart. And uh, because the, the, I can tell you exactly why. And this time I believe the social media rumours is that there has been some naughtiness within the confines of that dressing room between wives of certain players and that's divided the dressing room someone's had an yeah. affair with somebody else i don't know you know these kids are young they're earning loads of money mm. they're in their 20s for goodness sake yeah. david i mean yeah. what would we like in our 20s i don't know and uh, i was uh, uh i was friendly in the 90s with a very well-known uh, young football player soccer player who played for Liverpool, Spurs, Man City, and I had a wonderful that time little, with That little blonde the, chap with the long hair. Yeah, What's his yeah, name? Yeah. <laughs> you can't tell Paul me, Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Paul Walsh. But he, he, I, he was I, fantastic. Yeah, he was great. He was lovely. And, and, and once, you know, in earnest, just sitting, talking to Paul, he told me about, you know, he said what it was like. Can you imagine him? Paul came from, uh, uh, he came from a nice family. I don't want to say he was poor. He came from a middle-class family, but of course, um, he, he, you know, he started playing soccer at 15. I think, I think it was either for Luton or for Charlton, somewhere around there. And then you go up to the big leagues where you start to earn big money. And of course, uh, you become a, uh, a well-known figure in, in the UK, etc. And everywhere you go, everybody flocks around you. And he's a pretty Even boy. He was a pretty boy at the time. He was, and a good-looking, but what a wonderful player. Yes. And when we used to go into a pub in Mayfair or something when I traveled there, you know, and he had a wonderful nature. People would flock around him and, and uh, you know, want to have a beer with him and so on. So you can understand um, what it brings. But he was playing for Liverpool. Mm. And believe me, this was Liverpool in the heart of their uh, success in the 80s. You dare, he always told me, he says, you dare not get injured. Because you got injured, you never got back in. Hmm. And uh, there was a wonderful attitude. But when he came down to Spurs, he says, I'm in London. And boy, you know, he just, he, he had the time of his life. And uh, so, I, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to get above that. You know, you've got to, you've got to be able to rise above all of that. Um, and, and then on the other hand, I was friendly with Gary Mabbitt, who was a complete opposite, you know, absolute gentleman through and through, and remained a gentleman, always knows how to, always played for his club for 13 years, I think, or more, 15 he played for Spurs and was still a wonderful figure. Um, never would you see Gary going onto a game and not giving his best, you know, never would they have, and I suppose for Paul as well, never would they have done what today. And they weren't in the big money. 
the big money's come in the last few years. You know, not not in their era, certainly not in Gary's era. You know, I'm not saying he's poor. I don't want to say, but I'm sure he earned well, but never in those kind of, uh, never in those numbers. These tips slogged, eh? And that's why it's so sad to see uh, a lot of teams um, just giving up and, and not putting their full full effort behind every game. David Shapiro, thanks so much for your insight. Great chat. David Shapiro is the Deputy Chairman of Sassman Securities, and that was Shapiro World. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.